You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. My name is Joel. special episode right now. I am sitting with a dear friend of mine, Cliff Lambert. You guys may have recognized, you'll recognize his voice and you might remember him from uh, many of the beginning episodes. You you and I recorded a ton of them. Yeah, right at the um, beginning. You are also the inspiration for the logo, you know, so that's wow. that's something you can take. I'm, not to I'm, the, you I'm can't take it to the honored. bank, you can take it somewhere. I, maybe... <laughs> You know, just kind of when you go to bed, go huh, you know, just a, <laughs> a little, little chuckle, chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> a little chuckle to yourself. Yeah, it'll feel good. Uh, yeah, you guys, you guys are gonna hear some birds. Yeah. In the background, you're gonna hear some kids playing, sometimes screaming. You're gonna hear uh, I sixty four. Yeah. I think it's sixty, or is it six sixty four? No, I think it's six. It's sixty four. It's sixty four. You're gonna hear yeah. sixty four in the background. It's you're gonna hear cars. It's we're recording outside because one, it's a beautiful day. It is beautiful. Um, two. I am enjoying a wonderful uh, Alec Bradley cigar, Project 40, their experiential series. And I'm telling you right now, it's a great cigar. I don't usually smoke, mainly because Joanna doesn't like how it makes me smell. Um, I wouldn't smoke nearly as much as Charles Spurgeon smoked, although he would love, he smoked so much he loved to say he was going to go to bed and smoke a a cigar to the glory of God before he went to bed. Uh, So that was pretty cool. But uh, even if I had the choice to do it, I wouldn't smoke that much. Sometimes it's just sitting around with a friend. You need, no one has to smoke. It's literally just me. Just sometimes it's more relaxing, you know, having a yeah. having a drink to chill. Yeah, yeah, it's just relaxing, and it's just some. It's also kind of signals summer to me, right? Like, like a cigar outside with a a glass of whiskey, and you're just like, all right. Although you could smoke a cigar in the winter time too. Uh, I've you tried that, but it's so cold. <laughs> That's right. It's yeah. so you're still bundled, but this yeah. is you know, it doesn't warm you up. No. no okay. <laughs> no, not really. Okay. So, so today, we're not really going to be talking about a song per se. We're going to be talking about just kind of what's going on right now in our minds and what's kind of really something that we we always kind of would talk about. I feel like we always talk about the church and worship and philosophies of ministry in church structure we always just end up talking about that even when yeah like especially when obviously when i was in ministry and you're in ministry but now it's it's i can't escape it i'm like look i'm out of ministry stop making me talk about this but you i'm so sorry I know, it's, it's totally fine <laughs> it's great though but it is great and and you have a lot of really cool thoughts too so you and I were talking. Why don't you just kind of set the stage for what we were kind of thinking about? What's what's yeah. on? What has been something that just kind of really been on your mind lately? Well, uh, you know, I mean, I've been in ministry a, a lot of years. You know, how, over how, how many? Over twenty five years. That's almost uh, as old as I am. Yeah, thank you, Joel. I um, appreciate that. <laughs> it just means no. It just means that I mean, I've seen a lot, and I've I've been through a lot, and I've learned a lot in the process. I've seen the church go through a lot of transition and and find trying to figure out how to navigate through that um and you know one of the things that i'm seeing going on in the church now 
Um, and it's been a progressive kind of a thing. Um, it's interesting that your cigar is called Experiential. That's actually, I, I didn't plan that, <laughs> although I should have said I did. Because I think there's, not, and you know, it's not to say that worship shouldn't be experiential because there is an experiential element to it. But I think in today's culture, we tend to prioritize that experience. Yeah. And we put that on God when we when we come together to worship, that we have to have an experience. And if we don't have that experience, then we haven't really worshipped. And so what happens, I think sometimes we, we approach worship with this idea that we've got expectations that God needs to meet us a certain way. Um, and I think we forget that, first of all, the initiator of worship is not us. Yeah. It's God. Yeah. God initiates worship first and foremost by just revealing Himself. Um, he's revealed Himself through the, through Scripture. He's revealed Himself through Jesus um, and the incarnation of Jesus. Um, he's revealed Himself through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is that our worship is really just a response to that revelation. Yeah. Um, and I think. I was telling you earlier that I think sometimes we get the cart before the horse where we come to worship with these expectations of what we want God to do for us, forgetting that first and foremost, worship is to God, but, but we have to offer it to him and then the benefit is for us. No. It's not, it's not for us. Oh, and by the way, it's to you, God. So here's a question. Why? <clears throat> so I, I obviously wasn't in ministry nearly as long as you are. But I feel like I often heard this argument or this, hey, let's we gotta raise this flag. This is going on. But why does it feel like that? Just it keeps we keep having this conversation. You know why? Why is that such? Why did it feel like it was such a hot button topic? But now it's it's still going on. And when when we when we talk or even when I've talked to other people who are passionate about this, it feels as if no progress has been made. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there has been some progress made. I think that <clears throat> coming out of, you know, in the, in the, in the early nineties, we started this whole attractional worship kind of thing where we, where we, we hired really attraction, attractive people uh -huh. to lead worship. Yep. Darlene check. She's the darling of Australia. <laughs> the darling, the darling of Australia. No, but I mean, there was, there was an, <laughs> that was so stupid. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Keep going. I'm so sorry. But but it's the idea that we had to make it, um, obviously we wanted modern worship that was relevant, that was similar to what people were listening to when they weren't in church, and, we, and it had to look good, it right. had to feel right, and so what we did is we built up this consumerism within worshipers that when they came to worship, they had this expectation that it was going to sound a certain way, right. it was going to look a certain way. That it was going to make them feel a certain way. Right. Everybody on the stage was going to be under 30 years old, so it was going to feel really cool and feel really right. relevant. Um, and so we made worship into this thing where it be, I think it backfired on us because what yep. we did is instead of creating worshipers, we created consumers. Yep. And I think that's a hard thing to come out of. Yeah. I think when you're trying to steer the ship coming out of something like that, it's going to take a long time and it's going to take a lot of teaching in the process. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's where, and I think we're, we're making progress, but I think that, well, and also still there's a lot of churches that are really following that attractional model where, you know, they're wanting, they're wanting to provide a worship experience. That's going to make people feel a certain way. Um, and, 
and the thing about it is is we're not the we're not the originators of that feeling anyway right yeah that's true you know when we when we worship because you if, can't fabricate that exactly you can't that's holy spirit driven yep. and it doesn't mean that the holy spirit can't use what we put together but I think a lot of times there's not a whole lot of thought that goes into planning a worship set. Yeah. Uh, other than we got to have a fast song to start, then we gotta we gotta bring them down, and then by the time the, the it's time for the message, we gotta bring a tear out of them. Right. Yeah. You know, we gotta get them to a point where their or their arms have been raised, where their arms have been raised, or they've just they've they've basically pulled into themselves, where it's just me and and Jesus and and. Yeah. We want to create this feeling where, oh, I'm, I'm, I've, I've met with Jesus today. You know, and you know, it's interesting is, um, when you say it like that, it makes me think about, because you know, I love metaphors. I love to think in yeah. allegory and metaphors. So I think about scripture and how uh, in scripture it points to how the Holy Spirit is like the wind, right? You know, it's really it's one of the cool verses where it says like you don't know where the, like. You don't just how you don't know where which way the wind's going and coming from, which That's some people would say. Actually, I have something on top of my house that tells me the wind's blowing north, so <laughs> you can just be quiet. Uh, no, it's but what's really what's interesting is it's almost as if we took that metaphor and we manned we controlled it with our manhood and our human nature and our finiteness and said, okay, now we're just going to put sails. Yeah, and that's that our service type, our sails that we're trying to put. To capture the wind, but the sad thing is, you can put thirty thousand sails on a ship. You've seen some of those crazy models. Yeah. But if there's no wind, so the ship's not going nowhere. That's right. Right. Like it's not going anywhere. And so I think that's what happens when you probably you go to those churches where they're really trying hard. Right. They've put up fifty sails, really trying hard to capture that Holy Spirit moment. But the Holy Spirit isn't moving because yeah. He doesn't have to. Right. It's not at our own our beck and call. If he doesn't, it feels forced and it feels fake, right? We've all been on stage with people who are like the second the, the lights come on, their hand goes up while they're singing. And I'm right. like, "Okay, I know you love Jesus, but didn't you just like tell me you yelled at your husband the other day and you're really frustrated this morning?" So like either you can just you man, you just turn that the, switch. Right, and you can do that or you're faking it. And which is worse? Like which would be worse, being an honest person on stage, you know, being a little stone-faced, and I'm sorry, it doesn't look so good, right? or faking it so that people aren't distracted from Jesus because you're not happy. And how many times does that happen? I mean, I remember I would get, you know, I've gotten, um, <laughs> I remember when I would was in ministry, and I was, I had people on my team, and I had people that wouldn't smile. And I would get comments from people like, you need to help them smile. Yeah, I can't force someone. I can say all day, "Joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord." We should look like we're loving Jesus, and uh, but then like, hey, I also know now being out of ministry, like if your kids have been sick every single weekend, and you're just now finally getting to church, or you're you're serving and your your husband or your wife's been alone now, and you're just you're not having a great time, it's yeah. not easy to just go on stage and be like everything's fine, we're good. Yeah. So, and yeah. everybody who comes into a worship gathered worship setting is coming from a completely different place True. and we have no idea where they're coming from you know we don't and so just the same way that you can't capture the holy spirit and force him into your worship service like he can do things in your life 
that not, you cannot explain other than the Lord, right? You and I literally had breakfast this morning. Yep. And we talked about two instances, an instance in your life and an instance in my life, where the Holy Spirit, we know it was the Holy Spirit, saved us, saved our butts from crap, right? Mm-hmm. Saved our butts from trouble. Yep. Because the, the person who was interacting with us should not have been that gracious, right? And we're like, that's, no, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, totally. we, did, we didn't go, Holy Spirit, you know, can you come to this area right now? I really need you. No, we didn't yeah. even know. Like, right, we you don't realize it. it until afterwards. But looking back, right, we go, wow, that's the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing with your worship service, right? You cannot approach a Sunday morning service and say, this is the formula. And so I, right. think, that's, it's, I think that's more the issue. It's, it's not the models. Everyone has models, right? Whether it's, I talked about Maverick City Music trying to be spontaneous. Well, now your model is spontaneity. So it's not, you're not actually spontaneous. You're, you're just, you have a new model. You didn't break the mold. You right. created a new one. It's the same. Everyone has models. It's why it's approaching it from a, an equational mindset, I think, is the issue. Mm. That was the issue. We, th- we thought A plus B equals C every time. And that's not how it works. And, like, yeah. and so then what you do is you either force your services to be the same on all campuses, that kind of stuff. And you, you fabricate experience. And in the same time, you're creating more consumers because you're telling them this is actually, yes, this is your, your, your life as a Christian. You consume and you, and you control to make sure it creates the same experience, which is not the life of a Christian. Right. Like I, like I am meeting with a counselor, and one of the things we talk about is my control and how what do I, what do, I do in my life that I don't even know that I'm trying to buy for control. Mm. And not like this, you know, the... I just, I wrestle with control. You know, everyone right. can say that, like, yeah, I just, I wrestle with control, and I, I wrestle with, sorry, I'm trying to get a, a pull before my cigar goes out. <laughs> Hold on. There we go. I wrestle with control. No, it's, how do I try to manipulate a, a circumstance without even knowing, like, subconsciously and consciously to, to gain control? Right. That's, that's not how, that's not how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to open-handedly go through our lives with the Lord and let Him control. And it hurts and it's hard, but and it also means you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have worship services that don't feel great. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Because things are going on in your culture or in your church that are not good. And you should not open with a fast song. You shouldn't even open with a victorious song. You should open with a lament. You should open with maybe a time of, of quiet Right, but if you think no, 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 this is our equation, you're just shortchanging your people, and you're teaching them that there's no such thing as personal responsibility. Yeah, come to us, we'll help you. No, exactly. You well, also have to go home and do your own work. That, that's the thing. It's like whatever we we forget that what we what we're doing in our gathered settings, we're actually teaching people by the by the way that we worship. What they're supposed to do in their private. What they're supposed yep. to do. What the rest of the week. And so if, if worship on Sunday morning was all about me and meeting my needs, then my and, marriage would be terrible. <laughs> yes. You go out and it's like, what have you learned about your relationship with Jesus? That he exists to meet my needs. And, and if Jesus exists to meet my needs, then my money, my work, my wife, my kids, they all then must exist to meet my needs. Right. Right. Like one of the things I love about the church that Joanna and I go to down in South Carolina is that we, they teach personal responsibility and they push it. Right. And they don't let you just go through the motions on Sundays because they don't believe Sunday morning 
and if they, they can tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I, from the time being there, I can tell Sunday morning to them is not the penultimate, the end-all, be-all. It must be the flagship of our, of our church. No, community in small groups and personal responsibility expressed in the people in the church, in the bride of Christ, right? Not the business of Christ, right. which I think the church loves to do, but in the bride of Christ, that's the goal. And then what happens is Sunday morning's great because everyone's celebrating. Exactly. Or, or weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice, right? The the problem I see being on both sides now, it's we look at the bride as the business of Christ, mm-hmm. not the bride of Christ. And when we don't see the bride of Christ as every person in your church, right, who is the, on their own Christ's bride, right? We love to say we we are the church. We're not a building. We're a people, and we're the bride of Christ. Yeah. Yes, but you, Cliff, are the bride of Christ. Right. I am also Christ's bride. I'm also his co-heir. So, so if if I'm the bride of Christ, how am I living that out every day of the week? Right. You, you, Cliff, the bride of Christ. Not you, Cliff, who's a part of DC Church, or yeah. you, Joel, who's a part of Grace Church. Right. You're the bride of Christ. What are you guys doing together? No, 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 no. Right. What are you, Cliff, doing as right. Christ's bride, presenting yourself and holy and blameless and spotless? There you go. During the week, what are you doing? Like, and if you're a if living you sacrifice, right, if if you don't think that, then you aren't doing it right. And so, if we come together on Sunday and worship is all about how it can serve me and my needs, then there's no way we're going to go out on Monday through Friday and live as a living sacrifice, right? Because we didn't sacrifice anything. That's so true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so. There, there is an element, I think, of we. what do we want people to... Our, uh, what, what we do on Sunday morning is going to be what our people take with us, take with them, and live it out all week mm. long. And so, what should be the main focus of how we live all week long? It should be Jesus, right? Yeah. And so, what I, personally, I feel like when we come together on, to, to worship on Sunday, obviously Jesus is the focus, but yeah. it not, it's not necessarily what Jesus does for me in my circumstance. No, no. How he fights my <laughs> battles, how he gets, how he gets me, how I fight my yeah, how he helps me break through, how he, mm-hmm. you know, which there's what, just so many words. Find another buzzword that I know. exists in current Christian <laughs> The music. thing about it is, is if that's how we, that's what we believe about Jesus on Sunday morning, then we go throughout the rest of the week and we don't have those breakthroughs yeah. or we don't have, you know, it's like all of a sudden our faith in Jesus is gone. And then we have to deconstruct. Pretty much. <laughs> exactly. But that's, that's yeah. and that's not, so there. this is the tension, right? Not the problem to solve, but the tension to manage within the Christian life and those who work in church. You have to manage your expectations, your people, are you're teaching them, right? If you teach them consumerism, it's on you in some way for for that right you are the one driving the car pretty and, much and if your car goes you off, and, and your lead pastor right, or whatever yeah. <clears throat> you're driving the car and if it goes somewhere that they, that you don't need to go you're the one who was still technically driving it right it doesn't matter if your church hijacks it now and they're driving you took them there you taught them this is a terrible analogy but all that to say like you're teaching your people you're teaching them. Either, we talk about this through the songs yeah. and through your teachings yeah, right. and through and through what you emphasize. 
And what we don't need, and we talked about this last night, because I just, I hate the word deconstruction yeah. in, in the Christian faith. And you even tried to push me on it yesterday. <laughs> you were like, so, you know, did you not grow up in a Christian home? And, you know, what did you do after that when you went to college and all that kind of stuff? And I said, yeah, like I, I worked I worked through things and I said, okay, I'm going to now live for Christ. Like I said, in quotes, I was doing when I was younger, but I wasn't even a Christian. I just went to a Christian school and lived in a Christian home and my dad was a pastor, blah, 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 blah. But now I'm living it out. And you're like, well, isn't that deconstruction? I'm like, no, that's me actually looking at scripture and just saying like, yeah, that's true. I, I wasn't deconstructing what I was told when I was younger in reconstructing. I was taking, nice, I was taking yeah. truth and really applying it. There you I, go. I wasn't, I wasn't taking lies and removing them and putting truth in. I was just actually applying truth. There wasn't a lie. Right. It was, it was my own life I didn't live out. My life, my actions were the lie, not the things I believed. Right. And so when people say, like, what? It's there's nothing wrong with being taught the Lord and in, in, when you're younger. Yeah, they might not have taught it the best way, but if you were taught Jesus in the gospel, that's still good. Paul is really clear. If Apollos is preaching for, or if not Apollos, but if people are preaching for their own gain, and they're still preaching Christ, hey, Christ is still preached. So, but when you deconstruct, you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Don't throw out the bathwater. Right. Hold on. Let's get the baby out freaking first. And then, <laughs> then let's sift through, and let's let's put it out. Because who knows? There might be gold in that bathwater. Another analogy going down to the tank. But we have to we have to stop being so intense in that way, where we have to think it all goes. Just you grew up in a. What if you grew up in a great home in a, in the great church? And I and I'm sorry though that the church hurt you in some way. Right. Right. That doesn't mean the church is bad. Right. That doesn't mean the... the and we've, we've all been hurt in some way. Uh, yes. It, 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 and in many ways, all of us have been hurt in some way by the church. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean the church is bad. Right. And it's this, like, let's let's get let's get deep. Or let's get, let's get personal. Let's say you wrestle with sexuality. And you're trying to understand God. And you think that the church taught you the wrong thing because they told you it's 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 you're going to hell if you're gay right okay one they're technically not wrong because scripture is very clear if you're if you are homosexual and you're practicing that there's no place in heaven the kingdom of heaven you will not inherit right right it's true it's clear now but christ does say hey come to me all who are are weary and, and heavy laden i'll give you rest meaning you understand your burden you understand that you need help and you go to christ that's a that's different right right you can't identify as as something that christ does not accept into the kingdom of heaven and then get mad at church and god and then try to parse through it and say well i'm still a christian or something like that no no right. no, no that doesn't count but if you say i identify as christ not as my sexuality or my wrestle and i know i have a burden and i know i need help christ is clear in in every in passage that he talks about this right he's here for you That's to right. come to him. That's right. Come on. So so don't deconstruct. Yeah. Like you just you become jaded. Right? Like in my situation where I'm at now, I do not hate the church. I love the church. I don't want to leave the church. I, I still want to be a part of the church. But I have anxiety sometimes about church because I had a bad experience. Sure. But I didn't go, I'm done with church. Right. Because I knew it's the same thing when I was younger. I, when I lived a Christian life, in quotes, and basically almost killed myself, right? I didn't go, well, then I guess it's not true. 
I went, I went, no, actually, I didn't live it out. I was lying. I wasn't, I wasn't living right. So let's do it for real this time. Yeah. And then I experienced true joy and true, true life only found in the true vine. Right. Amen. And so we just got to stop being so intensely vehement about deconstructing when mm-hmm. things in the church aren't good because it's still the bride of Christ and you're still a part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just went on a tangent. Sorry. You probably have a lot of thoughts. Well, one of the things that you brought up kind of early in that conversation was talking about the, the gospel and, and that message being central. And I think that's huge in our worship services. Cause I think, okay, so if I'm going to leave a worship service and I'm going to continue living as a, you know, living sacrifice, yeah, yeah. worshiping God all week long, there's going to be opportunities in that for me to, to share my faith with people who don't know Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. And what am I going to be able to share with them? Am I going to, what, you know, do I, do I, have I been singing the gospel or been learning the gospel enough in our gathered settings yeah, yeah. that I can actually <clears throat> articulate it when I'm out in in the workplace or yeah. I'm out in the market or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, I lo- I want our services to be focused on Christ. Yeah. Not necessarily what he's doing for me in my situation, yeah. although there are songs that we sing about that. Yeah. But it's we reflect on the gospel. Yeah. The thing about it is is the gospel is not something that you believe one time and then you forget about it the rest of mm-hmm. your life. No. You're you're you live by the gospel every single day of your life. Yeah. I Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. I had a friend. He was a smoke leader of mine in college. Awesome. Like loved the Lord. He was he was known for saying "see you in eternity," like as it like it's just his thing. He said he and he was always so thankful for the gospel. And then later he deconstructed his faith. God wasn't good enough, all this kind of stuff. And he was mad that he was so wrapped up in the gospel. And he was like, "I wasn't wrapped up in the right thing. I need to be more concerned with like who who is really God and how can God be this way and do this." Stuff? I'm like, the gospel. That's all part of it. <clears throat> the gospel literally is the the. The, the penultimate expression of who God is. That's right. Right? That's the exactly gospel right. is the summation of God's character. It is the expression, summation, the the authority and the finishing of who God is made real to us. So he, was, he wasn't wrong to, to say he was thankful for the gospel and to pray, God, thank you for the gospel. And for that to be a buzzword for him. That wasn't wrong. That was great. Yeah. And he encouraged people when he was saying that. And because he thought he was, because he, he wasn't focusing on God and how can God be, you know, let's, I gotta, how do you, God, do apply this and this in my life now? Because this is going on or that's going on. How does that make sense with who you are? If you look at the gospel, it unpacks that. Totally. Right? You do suck. You are terrible. There is, it's not just you are terrible. The world is terrible. The world is broken. But Jesus, who is God's incarnate, right? He's also God himself, too right he's not just god made flesh he's god as well part of the trinity came down into a broken world and he says look i've already got, i've overcome the world and i'm in you through the third person of the trinity and i'm going to be with you to the end of the age and he's the author of your faith and the finisher of your faith meaning he's going to be the person walking with you through sanctification into glorification right Woo! all that applies to your life so so it blew my mind looking back going like how could you, how could the gospel be your stumbling block in that way where you went, crazy. I was too focused yeah. on the gospel. I'm like, you had no. it right. Yeah. You had yeah. it right. 
And it's the same thing with your services. If your services don't in some way promote the gospel, right? Not every song has to do that. I've talked about that. In the past, I was wrong, and I said it. I used to think every song needs to be gospel-centered, Christ-exalted, right. congregationally friendly. They all have to be that, <laughs> right? And then I realized, okay, that's really myopic, right? That's force, right. That's forcing, it's pharisaical in ways to say, like, every song must be like this. And I'm like, okay, d- yes, the gospel is penultimate, but you don't have to literally look at me every, every song and go, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, Cliff, if you don't understand the gospel. You're gonna understand it in the next song. If you don't understand it, you're gonna understand the next song. Right. And if you don't know it, that I can't help you. Like, no, some people are, <clears throat> as cliche as it is, wrestling with anxiety and depression. Sure. Depression and cancer. Right. And all other things. Leland's Waymaker it's, kind of thing. It's like, balance. Right. There there is a place for songs <clears throat> even to mention anxiety. Like that song you sent me says, mm-hmm. uh, for those who are hurting or those whose marriages are uh, in tr- like troubled marriages come to Jesus or something like that Yeah. like when they're listing off things it was really sweet it was sweet that they said that now that someone who's single might say hey that's not fair totally fine I get that that's a valid like sure. gripe with the song but it's okay to have a song that talks about the depth of sorrow absolutely like not every song needs to be Christ the true and better not every song needs to be in Christ alone not every song needs to be that Song songs can just be like joy there's joy in my life, right? Or the album we're working on right now, a couple of them have to do with being sinful and wretched and who could save me because that's the Apostle Paul in Romans. Our album is from Romans. So there, you have to have a, a part where you say, I'm not good enough. I'm terrible. Who's going to save me? Or a part that talks, and then there's a song that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because that's what Paul says too, right? That's why we wrote songs that, that have that the variance in style, in topic, in theme, because we're not writing a gospel song, gospel song, gospel but song. But I see. Song. But I think that's how you can shape a worship service. You take yeah. different songs with those different themes, and you create a progression that works through the gospel. Right. Selfishly, I'd love for the, everyone to just use all of our songs to unpack their service, but they're not going to do that. <laughs> they're not going to do that. But get ready for album number three. That's great. But you're right. It's it should be that. It should be a roadmap. It should be exactly. a journey, right? right? Including the sermon. That's another thing, right? Right. When you when you yep. look at your service and you say the sermon's the most important thing, what you're also teaching your people is singing's not. You don't need to sing. Yeah. When you say as a pastor, I get to preach an hour. Music can be like a couple songs. That's fine, right? And you don't teach response through song. You don't teach response in general. You just teach. You're here to hear me speak for an hour. And Lyrics five stick better with people when there's a melody put to it. It's true. It's so like. It's not. To, I'm not saying preaching's not important. Exactly. But right, you still need the proclamation. You're just as wrong, pastor. And I'm. I'm. I'm just going at you. You are just as wrong, okay, as the person you say is doing experiential worship. Because know what you're doing? You're teaching people to consume your stuff that you've gotten from the Lord. You're propping yourself up in the preached word, not not scripture, because songs are scripture too. They're sung word right. themselves, right? That's, that's now, right. when Michelle and I talked, she said art isn't scripture. Yes, but the sung word is still just as important as the preached word. And when you prop your sermon up with 55 minutes, 50 to 60 minutes, right, and you give songs 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. what you're telling your church, and I'm not saying you have to do this or way, but you're telling your church, right, you're teaching them. Preaching is more important. 
We just get through the songs to get to the, to the sermon. And then you get up, then you, you're, you, you're kind of floundering when your worship leader or worship pastor is like, people aren't singing. Right. It doesn't feel like anyone wants to sing. Yeah. That blame falls on you in many ways, pastor, right. because you're not helping your worship pastor or leader out by giving them and, and giving them the, the, the best fertile ground to say, yes, guys, we sing. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's fun and it's part of being a Christian. You sing praises and truths about God to God. Because he's he's worthy of all of our praise, and and we need to respond to the preached word. Amen. You know yeah. that's just that's just part of it. So we've been talking for a long time. We got we got to wrap it up. I know but, we do. <clears throat> yeah, but I I think I would leave people listening, and I, I can't, hate that we went over thirty minutes, but it's fine. Um, people listen to these less when they're longer than about twenty minutes. Uh, I get it. Um, I would just say this to you, listener. I I hope that you look at your life in a way that one promotes the, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. One that promotes the gospel tangibly in your life where you don't look at Sunday morning as the only thing, but you look at every moment as an opportunity to promote the gospel in your life. Right. Mm, Yeah. Like when I've done weddings, I say how you treat your wife says what you believe about Jesus and the gospel. It's the same thing with everything in your life that has to start there and then Sunday morning. So worship leader, worship pastor, pastor, people on the worship team, your time on Sunday morning is directly impacted by the way you live out the gospel in your in your daily life, Monday through Saturday. Yeah. And you have to do that. But also be encouraged. Christ is enough. And he also loves you even when you suck at doing gospel living Monday through Saturday. Right. And so you don't have, even if you did terribly, you don't have to show up Sunday with a sour face because his mercies are new every morning. Amen. Like in every season, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter if you lived in Delaware and now you live in South Carolina. It doesn't matter if you're in ministry or out of ministry. His mercies are new every morning and every moment. So there's no reason ever to be so downcast about how you can't do it because Christ was the one who holds you up because he's the true and better. He will always be. That's right. Sorry, I didn't mean to get emotional and get all ranty, but anyway. It's okay. Anyway. It's good stuff, man. Any quick thing to say before we end, or just you want me to end it? No, that's good, man. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I, I won. Thank you, Cliff. Hey, my Such pleasure. Such a good friend. Dude, I love it. I, I love hanging with you. <laughs> I love our talks. Uh, it's so good. And I'm, I'm just thankful for a good cigar. Uh, a refreshing drink, a nice summer evening. Yeah, it's beautiful. Out good here, conversation, man. and yeah. uh, and for Jesus, I'm, I'm thankful for the Amen. Lord, and I'm thankful for everyone who's been listening. Um, I hope you've been appreciating some of these past episodes where I'm bringing some other people in that have just been refreshing my soul in the season I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I hope this podcast refreshes you where you're at. I don't know where you're at. I know where I'm at, and I love talking about Jesus right now. Uh, so anyway, if you guys ever have any thoughts. You know where to send them, theologyandmusic at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram and and Facebook, Joel Conwell Archery. But uh, with that, I hope you guys have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend, and a great Lord's Day. See you later, guys.